Good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. Second Peter chapter 2 this morning. Isn't it great that if you and I want more of Jesus, we can have more of Jesus? <laughs> Jesus never turns us away. We are in the midst of a series called Made to Mature, all about spiritual growth. From beginning to end, that's what this letter from Peter is all about. In verse 2 of chapter 1, he is praying and he says, I pray that you may have grace and peace as you grow in your Lord Jesus Christ. Then the very last verse of the letter, he says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We've looked at the means of growth in this book already, where Peter reminded us that God has given us everything necessary for life and godliness. We've learned a lot about the motivations for growth, why we should grow. And one of the greatest ones, and I'm reminded of this every week, even in my own life, is if I'm not moving forward with Jesus, I'm moving backward. If I'm not progressing in my spiritual life, I'm regressing. There's no such thing as getting to a certain place and just sort of staying there. That's sort of sobering to think about, but that's the reality of our spiritual life with God. Then last week, we saw that Peter said, I want to stir you up. He said, I'm going to make every effort that I can that as long as I'm in this body and God gives me breath, that I am stirring you up as believers. And let's not forget that this letter is written to mature Christians. He's not writing trying to stir up a bunch of baby Christians or, or nominal Christians or whatever. These are people that he already said, you are well established in the faith and you already know the truth, which is also a reminder that no matter how long we've been saved, how long we've walked with Christ, how much we know of spiritual things, it's never like we get past being stirred up. God wants a stirred up people. And what it means to be stirred up is that God wants us to be fully awake in him or towards him, to be fully engaged, to be all in, in a sense, with God. And we saw last week some reasons why we need to be fully awake at all times spiritually in our life. And now Peter's going to give us a couple more of those reasons in 2 Peter chapter 2. Now, we're not going to cover this entire chapter. This is going to be the only week we spend in 2 Peter chapter 2. Primarily for this reason. It is traveling to the dark side, if you will. It is all about false teachers and false prophets. Um, and, and Peter wants us to know about them. Uh, he, he will tell us what they look like, what they smell like, what they act like, how they talk, and all that. He wants us to be very well aware of them. And he gives a very detailed description in 2 Peter chapter 2. But out of all that, because in a sense we can all read that and glean from that as we, as we can and as we want to, that there are really three primary things that God laid upon my heart to share with you all this morning out of this chapter. 
And remember that this is built on what we talked about last week, that Peter wants to stir us up or get us fully awake. So I'm going to phrase each of the points then in my message this way. As we grow, because that's important, we are awakened to certain things, okay? As we grow, first of all, we are going to be awakened to our vulnerability. Then as we grow, we're going to see out of this chapter, we are awakened to our vigilance. And then finally, as we grow, we are awakened to our victory. So let's look at these this morning out of 2 Peter chapter 2. And if you have a Bible and want to follow along, just start with me in chapter 2 of 2 Peter, beginning at verse 1. I'm just going to read verse 1. But false prophets arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. These false teachers will infiltrate your midst with destructive heresies, even to the point of denying the master who bought them. As a result, they will bring swift destruction on themselves. And now, please continue to follow with me and read those first few words of verse 2. And many, and by the way, that word many means a great many, a great many will follow them. You see, when we grow as a Christian, God awakens us to our vulnerability as a Christian. Because Peter's even saying, you, you realize that just as there were false teachers always amongst God's people, you read the Old Testament, they were constantly bombarded with false teaching and false prophets and all of that. And let's also be reminded, and this is something that I think sometimes as Christians, we know in our head, but we don't live it out as if it's really true, that the Bible tells us that Satan, our arch enemy as Christians, that, that one of his descriptions is he's called the father of lies. And that Jesus says, you can't stop lying. And so part of Satan's working in this world is he is just constantly bombarding this world with his lies. And you and I live in a world then of lies. And we've got to learn to differentiate God's truth, which is how Peter ends 2 Peter chapter 1, talking about God's word being a light to us in a dark place. He says we've got to differentiate between God's truth and all these lies that we're bombarded with every day. And that as Christians, we have to be awakened to the fact that we're vulnerable to those lies. If we get to the point where we're so proud or where we feel like we've got this thing all figured out and that we can go through life and that we're not going to be susceptible to Satan's schemes or to the lies that he's bombarding our world with, or even to the false prophets and false teachers out there, we're going to be sadly mistaken. And we're going to pay a very heavy price for it. Because Peter said, many, many are going to follow these false teachers. In fact, Jesus even said, in the last days, there's going to be a, a greater amount of deception out there, and many will be deceived. Jesus even said, 
many will be deceived. He's talking about those that have some kind of knowledge of God and knowledge of God's way and all of that. In fact, 90 plus percent of all people who get involved with cults, over 90% of them have some kind of Christian background or grew up in a Christian home or have some kind of foundation of Christianity in their life at some point. Over 90%. And I'm not talking about even the obvious cults that you and I would just be able to say, oh, that, that's a cult. That's, I'm talking about there's so many of them. I'll blow your mind with this. There is an apologetics website that has 130,000 pages of cults listed on it. Cults that you and I maybe have never even heard of out there. That maybe even start out as churches or Bible studies or this or that, and the doctrine gets way off real quick. And because there's enough of, of what they're familiar with that they teach about, they can suck people in. Listen to some of these verses. First, this is Paul talking to a really, at one point, solid church in Galatia. He says, I'm astonished that you are quickly deserting the one who called you by his grace and are following a different gospel. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul said, I'm writing to a church that was established, solid foundation. And I'm astonished that now I've heard that many of you in that church have abandoned the gospel of God's grace and you're following a different gospel. How about what Jesus said to the church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation? And let's not forget the church at Ephesus, book of Ephesians, right? Solid stuff, solid church. I mean, that was the, that's the book about spiritual warfare and being strong in the Lord and putting on the armor of God so that you might stand against the wiles of the devil. And yet Jesus says to them in the book of Revelation later on in their history, I have something against you. You've left your first love. Vulnerability. See, God, as we grow, we are awakened to our vulnerability so that, and we're going to see both sides in a sense of the same coin, so that we understand, I am vulnerable. In fact, how can we as Christians even read the entire Bible and not see that every one of the saints of God, every one of the servants of God in the Old or New Testament, at some point made some bad decisions in their life or fell because they were vulnerable, and many times because they didn't realize how vulnerable they were. Think about the author of this book. Oh, God, I got this. Remember when Jesus said to his fo followers there in the garden, watch and pray that you don't enter into temptation. And all, every last one of them, obviously Judas had already bolted at that point, so there's only 11 of them left, and they're all like, we, we got this, God. And especially P Peter, I'll never deny you, Lord. What happened the very next day? He denied him three times. And all the other disciples forsook Jesus and fled. See, Jesus tried to get them to understand, you're vulnerable, guys. 
In fact, he even says to Peter, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. Do you not understand how vulnerable you are? No, we got this, God. We're good. It's one of the most dangerous places for us to be as Christians is to think we've got it, like we're there. And, and I, I honestly think that this translates even into why, and I'm not just talking the last year with the whole pandemic, I'm talking about the last 5, 10, even maybe 25 years of a generation of church, of why church attendance continues to drop and why church interest continues to drop and all of that, and people are not engaged in church anymore because we got this. That's part of it. We don't need the church, and we don't, we don't need the worship and ministry of the word of a church, and we can do this on our own, and we don't have to be a part of a fellowship, and we don't really have to be connected to other Christians and have fellowship. We, we've got this. You got it, right? Yeah, sure you do. Sure you do. See, as we grow, God will awaken us to our vulnerability, and that's actually a good thing. It's actually good that we realize how vulnerable we are, you see. Well, let me move on. Because as I said, the vulnerability leads, hopefully then, as we are awakened to that, to a vigilance. And they sort of are opposite sides of the same coin. If I understand how vulnerable I am, it will awaken me to be more vigilant in my life. And let me show you again some verses from the scriptures that remind us of this. Notice back in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. These false prophets who arose among the people, there will also then be false teachers amongst you. And notice one of the reasons why we have to be vigilant. These false teachers will infiltrate your midst. Notice verse 1, they are among you. In other words, it is not a threat from outside the church or the Christian community. It is a threat that takes place within. In fact, in the original language, the phrase infiltrate your midst could also be translated enter by stealth. We all understand stealth technology today. Or you could even say it this way, they sneak into your church or your Christian Bible study, whatever, undercover. They never come saying, we're a cult, <laughs> or we're coming to spread our false doctrine amongst you all. No, that's not the way it happens. In fact, Paul says, to the church at Ephesus, to the leaders of the church at Ephesus in the book of Acts, chapter 20, when he's getting ready to say goodbye to them. In fact, you know what? This is too good. you got to turn there. Turn to Acts chapter 20. This is good stuff. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 28. Acts 20, 28. And look, the very first word is sort of a word of vigilance, isn't it? Watch out. And he's talking to the leaders of the church. Watch out for yourselves, vulnerable, vigilant, and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God that he obtained with the blood of his own son. 
I know, Paul says, that after I'm gone, fierce wolves will come in, notice, among you, not sparing the flock. In fact, notice what he says in verse 30. Even from among your own group, men will arise, teaching perversions of the truth to draw the disciples away after them. That's one of the ways, too, you know a false teacher, a false prophet, is they're trying to get people to follow them rather than follow Christ. That's why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Because those who are false don't want us to follow Jesus, who's the head of the church. They want us to follow them. And they will even try to get people to start following them. And I see that today, even in the Christian community in general, how Christians are following people more than they're following God. And we've got to make sure that we keep that the right way. That yes, God can use people to lead us, and he calls us to have leaders in our church that we should follow, but it should always be Christ first, though. Christ first. And then notice, therefore, he says in verse 31, be alert. Vigilant. Vigilant. This is the message of the Bible. Why? Because they come from within. We're not looking for them within. We look for them outside. And even Jude, very parallel to Peter, says, I'm writing this letter to you feeling compelled by the Holy Spirit because certain people have crept into your midst unawares. Unawares. So we need, as we grow, and this is, again, part of the motivation for why we should always want to be stirred up and fully awake spiritually is because we have to come to a place where we admit and acknowledge and confess, I'm vulnerable. I could fall at any point. I could allow some strange thing to start turning me sideways and turning me from the Lord and, and from my Christian brothers and sisters, and I could start to believe at any point a lie of Satan. And I've got to recognize that. And as you grow, you and I become awakened. In fact, it's, it's sort of a strange paradox spiritually. I'll even use this as an example. The longer you study the Word of God intently, you get to a place where you realize how dumb you are <laughs> as far as this book. In other words, it, it really is. It's like, the more you study it, which you would think like, oh, that means I'd start to get a grasp on it, right? No, it, you just start to see how much you don't know the more you know. Does that make sense? Okay. Sometimes I wonder, you know, if I'm making sense. And, and, and that's the same thing. It's like the more mature I become, the closer I get to God, actually I realize how much more vulnerable I am. It's weird, but that's the way it is. That's the way it works. And then out of that awakening to my vulnerability, I realize I've got to be vigilant. I've got to watch out. I've got to listen to like what Jesus said to the disciples, even though they blew him off. Like, no, no, I, I, I can't go without spending time in worship and the word and prayer and all that. I've I got to be vigilant at all times. Jesus even said over and over again throughout his time on earth, watch out for wolves in what? Sheep's clothing. 
watch out for wolves in sheep. Outwardly, they're going to appear fine. Oh, they're another Christian. They're so nice. Whatever. I've met some really nice people over the years who were whacked out. <laughs> as far as their, okay, as far as their understanding of God and spiritual things. And if I would have listened to them, I'd have ended up in a really bad place. Wolves in cheap clothing. What does Paul tell the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 11? He says, guys, watch out. Do you realize that the servants of unrighteousness disguise themselves as servants of righteousness? And then he goes on to say, and that shouldn't be something that we marvel at because he says Satan can even disguise himself, what? As an angel of light. See, that's something that, again, we as Christians, we, we know up here in our heads, but, but sometimes, again, we sort of get suckered in or sucked in to, to the world's conception of Satan, that, that we think of him more as the red, pitchforked, pointy-eared type guy that goes around that looks evil. No, no. That's not the way Satan operates. He would get nowhere like that because it's pretty obvious. Oh, that's Satan. That's evil. He's going to come at us like an angel of light. I'm here because I'm good. And I'm just, I'm just looking out for your good. I, I just want what's best for you. I mean, isn't that, wasn't that his approach to Eve and how this whole thing got started? I got your best interest at heart, Eve. Just listen to me. That God over there who's telling you not to eat from that tree, he's holding out on you. I would never hold out on you. I, I, I would let you have that tree. You, you deserve that tree. You've earned that tree. Go for it. Angel of light. See, that's why we need to be vigilant because of we are living in a world of lies and in a world of deception, even amongst the Christian community. Over and over again, the Bible says they're going to come from within the church, not outside. They're going to infiltrate. They're going to creep in unawares, which is why then we need to be on our toes spiritually even more. And Jesus even said, as you get closer to my return, deceivers and those who are being deceived, it's only going to get worse and worse and worse. Let me talk about some other things in the context of 2 Peter chapter 2 that we need to be vigilant in. And I'll go back to the very beginning. Pretty obvious, but we need to be vigilant in our spiritual growth. Peter says, make every effort, three times in chapter 1, make every effort. Are we putting forth maximum effort to spiritually grow? We should be vigilant in building up our fellow believers. Remember back, and I'll let you turn there if you'd like to look at it, in chapter 1, verse 13. Indeed, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, I consider it right to stir you up by way of reminder 
Why is Peter so intent on stirring the Christians up? Because Jesus told him, when I leave, I want you to strengthen your brothers and sisters. And Peter took that seriously. In fact, look over chapter 3, verse 1. We'll get to that in a couple uh, next week. He says, dear friends, this is already the second letter I've written to you, first one being first, Peter, in which I'm trying what? To stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. There again is that phrase, stir you up. Peter took it seriously that not only does he need to grow, but we also said this in week one. One of the other motivations for my spiritual growth should be, I will become a greater strength and encouragement to other believers as I'm growing. Something we should be vigilant about. We should also be vigilant in our worship and in our privilege and opportunity. You say, where do you get that? Well, look at verse 4 of 2 Peter chapter 2. He talks about God not sparing the angels who sinned, but threw them into hell and locked them up into chains. Now, he didn't throw all the fallen angels to this place. These were a special group that did something way beyond, way beyond. He said, enough. You're there till judgment day. But let's not forget who these creatures were. They were angels. They were special creations of God who lived in the presence of God and worshipped him from the day they were created, just like Lucifer did before he fell. And you think about, oh my goodness, the worship that these angels had, the, the the privilege and opportunity that these angels had that you and I haven't even had yet to literally be physically in the presence of God and see him in all his glory. And yet all that worship and all that privilege and all that opportunity never changed them for the good. We have to be careful of that. We have to be vigilant of that. See, we can go through the motions of worship just as maybe these angels did, we can have great privilege and opportunity like these angels and be given great privilege and opportunity, but if it doesn't change us or transform us for the good, if it doesn't make us more like Jesus, then we're on a slippery slope, you see. I think that's one of the reasons why he points out the angels. He's saying, you realize who they were that fell, right? I mean, Lucifer, you, he, he was maybe outside of Michael, the greatest angel that God ever made had the greatest privilege and opportunity maybe that any creature ever had with God, and yet he fell. Vulnerability and vigilance, my friends. See, you and I can even come to a church like this and go through great worship and a great time in the Word and yet just sort of let it all sit on the surface and become very superficial and never really change us. In fact, let me take you down to verse 6 of chapter 2. He says, oh, by the way, you realize that God didn't spare Sodom and Gomorrah, and we all know that story. But here's what I want to point out about Sodom and Gomorrah, because we all get down on Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Yeah, ooh, glad God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember what Jesus said about Sodom and Gomorrah? He said to those that were there watching him do miracles and in his presence while he was on earth, he said, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than it is for you. See, we, we're like, oh, Sodom and Gomorrah. He's like, oh, no, no. Cities like Capernaum, 
that had me in their midst for days, weeks, maybe even months, saw the miracles that the Son of God himself did, he says, greater the light, greater the responsibility. Vigilance. Being vigilant to our privilege and our opportunity. Jesus is basically saying, you realize all you cities that I walked through and you rejected me as your Messiah and you did not turn your heart to me as, as your Savior and as the Son of God in your midst and you saw what God did in your midst. It's going to be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than it is for you. In fact, if you want those references, Matthew 10, 15 and eleven twenty four is where those references of Jesus saying that is found. Matthew 10, 15 and eleven twenty four. Privilege and opportunity means greater light. So let me give us all a warning here. And I hope that that means you'll come back next week. <laughs> but you realize, I, I hope you realize with me, that being a part of a church like this, that has the worship that we do and the word that we do, we're more accountable than another church that doesn't have what we have here. Because the greater light we get, the more God holds us responsible for that light. See? To be able to respond to it and apply it to our lives. I know that's sort of a, oh, okay. Somebody come back next week, please. <laughs> and then two more. Vigilant in our service. Notice he uses Noah here in verse 5. God did not spare even the ancient world, but did protect Noah, put him in a special place, protected he and his family, a herald of righteousness, before he brought the flood on the ungodly world. Vigilant in our service. There's Noah, 100 years or so, out there building the ark, being laughed at by all of his neighbors and the people around. What do you mean some flood? There's no flood coming. What are you wasting your life for? All the ridicule, all the, all the rancor, all, all the stuff that Noah had to do besides building an ark in the environment that he had to build it in, and yet he was faithful every day to just keep building what God told him to do. You and I need to be vigilant to do what God's telling us to do in this season and in this moment. God has something for us to do as his people. Some part to play in the body of Christ. Every last one of us. Something that he wants us to be doing to serve him. And we and I need to stay vigilant to do it because there's going to be all kinds of things throughout our life that pull us from serving our Lord and following through with what he created us and built us to do for him. And then finally, I see in this passage too, even though it's not sort of right out there, the implication is praying, vigilant in our prayers. You say, where do you get that? Well, the whole story of Sodom and Gomorrah, if you know the story, you know that Abraham, once God told him that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and why did he tell him that? Because Abraham was his friend. He had this close, intimate, personal relationship with his God. Abraham starts praying and interceding, saying, God, if, if you find 50 righteous people there, will you? No, if I find that many, I, I won't destroy it. And you know the story, 45, 40, 35. He finally gets down. There's not even five. Abraham said, okay, God, I, I get it. I get it. And Lot and a few of his family members are the only ones, and even then his wife turns back 
and turns into a pillar of salt because her heart was never to follow God. Her heart was back in Sodom and Gomorrah. In fact, this is a good illustration even in this passage about a growing Christian and a non-growing Christian, even though in this context it would be a growing follower of God and a non-growing follower of God. The growing follower of God in 2 Peter 2 would be Noah. The non-growing follower of God in 2 Peter chapter 2 would be Lot. And obviously you see the difference that both of those men experienced in their life. The heartache and even the Bible says the tormentedness that went through Lot because of the choices that he made because he was not a growing follower of God and yet the blessing that was upon Noah because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. But I want to end this morning by also talking about the fact that as we grow, we're not only awakened to our vulnerability and our vigilance, we are awakened to our victory. Notice verse 9. He's talked about how God protected Noah, how God rescued Lot, and then he says this. If so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from their trials and to reserve the unrighteousness for punishment at the day of judgment. I want you to particularly concentrate on four words. And if you mark your Bible, if you underline your Bible, if you highlight your Bible, I would certainly recommend or suggest you highlight these four words. The Lord knows how. We need to be reminded of that, even as Christians. The Lord knows how. He knows how to rescue. He knows how to save. He knows how to deliver, whether it's from a world of deception, because, you know, you might read a chapter like 2 Peter chapter 2 and go, oh my goodness, there's so much false stuff out there in lies, and how am I going to navigate this? The Lord knows how. He knows how to deliver. But he not only knows how to deliver and save and rescue us from deception and false teachers and false prophets, he knows how to save, deliver, and rescue us from anything and anyone. The Lord knows how. The word Lord in itself is a testimony to our God. Notice, it is capital L, small o, small r, small d, Adonai. It means the God who is all-powerful. He's all-powerful. Our God is all-powerful. Then, the word know speaks about one who has all knowledge. He is thoroughly acquainted with everything. There is nothing that God doesn't know. There's nothing in God's mind or brain, if he had one, like ours, that, that some kind of something that would be beyond his ability to be able to grasp or, or some kind of something beyond his wisdom. There is nothing God is it. He is all-wise, and he is all-powerful. Therefore, when you and I are awakened to our victory that we have in the Lord, we realize that we are in relationship with a God, first of all, that knows how to do everything. There's nothing he doesn't know how to do. And then he is the Lord. Therefore, he can give us the power to do it. Not only can we know what we should be doing, but we know that we will have the strength and the power and the grace and the supernatural enablement to be able to do it. We've got a one-two punch in our God who can punch through anything that you and I will ever face. The Lord knows how. 
So you may be here today, you may be watching by live stream this morning, and you may be in a place in your life where you go, man, I'm dealing with something that's really hard right now in my life. Might be hard for us, but nothing's too hard for God. You may be here today, and you may be saying, you know what, Lord? I'm dealing with something really difficult right now in my life. You're right. It may be too difficult for you to deal with or me to deal with, but nothing's too difficult for God. Or you may be even in a situation, like we get sometimes, where we say, God, what I am dealing with, it's impossible for me. Guess what the Bible says? Nothing's impossible for God. Nothing is too hard, difficult, or impossible for the Lord. He knows how. All he wants from us is to grow and awaken ourselves to the victory that we have through him and to look to him alone for everything and anything that we'll ever need because the Lord knows how. There's going to be many times in our life where we don't know how. I don't know. How do I navigate this, God? What, what decision should I make? What choice? Should I make? The Lord knows how. Look to him. I mean, this last year, has been a testimony of that in my own personal life and in the life of our church. When this whole thing broke out last year, I, like the rest of you, was like, okay, God didn't see this one coming. I don't know how to pastor a church during a pandemic, but I know you do. So I'm just going to look to you, and I'm going to let you lead me as I lead your flock here at the Oasis through this year. And guess what? God has. I didn't know how, but the Lord knew how. And God wants to encourage you today. Yes, as we grow, we should be awakened to our vulnerability. There's nothing better than staying on our toes, spiritually speaking. But as we grow, we also should be awakened to our vigilance. There, there's things we need to always be alert and awake and on guard and all of that for. In fact, before I shut this message down this morning, turn with me to 2 Peter 3, look at verse 17. Almost at the very end of this letter, Peter brings this back up again. He says, you're vulnerable, so be vigilant. He says, therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard that you do not get led astray by the error of these unprincipled men and fall from your firm grasp on the truth. Can't say it any better than that. That is vulnerability and vigilance all in one verse. But again, the Lord knows how. The Lord knows how for everything and anything that we'll ever go through in our life. He is all-powerful. He has all knowledge. And whatever is too hard, too difficult, or impossible for us is never too hard, too difficult, or impossible for God. Could we stand? Father God, I believe that you are calling your people today to get our eyes off of anything and anyone else and to get our eyes onto you, God. 
to look to you alone for everything and anything, God, that we will need. Maybe even we are here today and we have come going through a season or some kind of trial or challenge in our life, God, and we just simply don't know how to navigate it. We don't know what to do. We don't know what the next step should be. But God, by faith, we need to look to you. I think about the story in the Old Testament where God had had enough of the belly aching and griping and complaining of the people of God, and he sent serpents into the camp. And many began to die and call out to the Lord. And finally Moses said, Lord, will you do something for us? And God said, take a serpent and wrap it around the pole and lift it up amongst the people of God. And if they have the faith to look at that, which in a sense is, look to me, follow what I'm telling them to do, they'll be healed. They'll be rescued. They'll be delivered. They'll be saved. They just have to look to me. I know how to get them through it. God, I pray that that would be us today, that wherever we are in our life with you, whatever we're dealing with right now with you, that God, we will look to you alone for all that we need. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I know that you and I can make a choice or decision to look to the Lord right where we're at, but maybe God is moving you to come forward. The front of our auditorium is always open to come here, whether you want to pray or just talk to the Lord or whatever. You just let the Spirit move. But here's what we are going to do. We're not only going to sing, God, we're looking to you. Hopefully in our hearts, in our minds, we're saying, God, I'm, I'm looking to you from here on out. So let's declare this out to the Lord today as a song not just from our lips, but from our head and our heart to Him today as well.